Hey gang, Gutting the Sacred Cow, episode 40 is here, 40, wow, we've almost done this for a year now and made so many leaps and bounds, but episode 40 is here with Bill McCuddy doing Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Before we get to it, just a couple quick notes, guess what, we're turning the tables on ourselves for once, we're going to bring back a fan favorite guest and have them sit as the judge and have Kevin Israel and myself pitch a film pitch an argument and see if our guest judge buys our argument and see if we can actually gut the sacred cow. So that's coming up very soon. Be on the lookout for that. Thank you, everybody, yet again for telling your friends. Please continue to do so about our podcast, as well as giving us those five-star ratings and, and, and two-sentence reviews on Amazon. Not Amazon. What the hell am I saying? I'm not on Amazon. Not for this, at least. For Apple, for whatever podcast platform you're on, thank you for doing that. GuttingTheSacredCow.com. Every day has new material. List of 10. Sequels we wanted to see. Sequels we didn't want to see. You know the drill. Gutting the Sacred Cow every single day. And lastly, do us a favor. Actually, we'll help you do a favor too. Take a picture with you wearing your merch from the Gutting the Sacred Cow merch store. Take a picture, post it, tag us, and then we'll tag you and put you on all of our social media accounts and thanking you yet again for doing so. So without further ado, Bill McCutty doing Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute joy doing this podcast, and you guys make it so much easier with all your love. Thank you so much. Love you guys and girls and everybody. Take care. Gather round is what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. Anybody seen Richie? Anybody know what he did to Bobby Lupo? I'm going to keep coming around to someone remembers seeing Richie. Our guest, Bill McCuddy, knows this film. Does Kevin Israel know this film? Nope. Have no idea. Oh, I thought you knew <laughs> your face, you son of a bitch. You tease. The film is 1991's Out for Justice starring Steven Seagal, a classic. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's so terrifically bad, but so... Oh, it's so it's such a guilty. You know pleasure. what's funny about Seagal is that year after year, starting in '91, they shot him higher and higher on his body because uh-huh. he just got he's like a Buddha now. But oh yeah, he's fat. Literally shot him. They started shooting him super wide, and then when he got really big, like uh, like Kelly did his wife, they they started shooting him closer up and closer up and closer. An up. actress just recently went off on him and said that he's just a big fat bully. Yeah, and I can't remember who it was. Someone was on the Stern show. I forgot what actor that, and, and said he was, he was working with uh, Seagal and Seagal comes out of a room with a bunch of papers in his hand. He goes, I just read the greatest script ever written. And the guy goes, well, who, who wrote? He goes, I did. <laughs> Doesn't get more Seagal than that. I would think there's a great Saturday night live that he hosted and they have him as a little kid in this one movie where he's like, the, 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 it's a fake trailer for a movie and he's like this little kid who saves Alaskan whales and like is, is like an environmentalist and uh, oh, there's an oil on deadly ground on deadly ground there's this little oh yeah little version of him going no just like an adult 
It, by the way, it was Charlize Theron who said he was fat. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, she was, that's what she did, said on Stern recently. Oh, one more Seagal fact. We did face off a few weeks ago with none other than Anthony Cumia. And, and, and doing our, our five fun facts little uh, research. Do you know Seagal and Van Damme were rumored to be attached to try and play the roles of Cage and Travolta? I wish they made that movie. And oh. Travolta, sorry, and Stallone and Schwarzenegger. I'd pay $20 a piece to see those, those recreations right now. You well, know, I, I watch those stories with just the exact same script. Yes. Yeah. I, would, I would see both of them with the exact same script. Yeah. I know the guy that produced that movie, and I can almost guarantee you that that was one of those shotgun scripts that went out to a lot of people. And then after the movie gets made, some assistant at CAA goes, well, you know, we send it to, and they give you this laundry list of things. And all of a sudden, now we're in the in the afterglow going, wouldn't have been great if blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but that isn't what they made. And, and probably they weren't really attached to it. They were just shown the, the uh, script. Damn, would that have not have been the greatest fucking film ever made? I just got a sacred cow. <laughs> Our guest today is Bill McCuddy. Bill McCuddy, how are you today, sir? I'm good, but it's early and it could all go terribly wrong from here. Uh, where can we find you, by the way? Bill's a show on PBS, but where else can we find you? Uh, I have a, another podcast uh, called Sitting Around Talking Movies that I do with uh, a guy named Bill Brigoli and Neil Rosen. And I have a PBS All Art show that you alluded to called uh, Talking Pictures uh, that's on once a month. And we're doing that from our homes right now and just telling people what to watch during the pandemic. So. We've been busier than ever doing those two things. And then I, you've heard my voice on lots of television commercials. Outstanding. But Bill today is not here to do VO for the Pillsbury Doughboy or whatever the hell he's done. He's Thanks. here to take down the 1982 classic Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And I've already gotten hate mail on this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys blast out, but like, I've gotten so many, what the, are you talking about? That's, That's our favorite thing to hear. <laughs> we would say, besides the Goonies, what's another one that we got a lot of hate mail on? Like, how could you shit on Spaceballs? <laughs> yeah, Spaceballs. Oh, That's another one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I shit on. I, I took a big steaming good uh, Black Friday post Thanksgiving dinner dump on that one, Bill. That film's terrible. I'm a big Rick Moranis fan, and I, like he just never got discovered the way some of those other SCTV and people in their movie careers. We could do a whole episode. Candy on did. I don't think he ever Candy wanted did. to, though. SNL and SCTV people that just couldn't make it happen on a big screen. So I have a, and I love Mel Brooks, who just today or yesterday turned like. 95 or 96, yeah. 97. Well, hold on. Rick Moranis did make Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Honey, I Blew Up the Kids. <laughs> yes, yes. He, and mean, he Ghostbusters. Out of the limelight. Yeah, but I mean, he's not considered a part of Ghostbusters no. that was essential. But yeah, you're right. He made yeah. he, he he showed up on a couple of things that were Parenthood. There's another one. Yeah. But Daddy, like I said. Oh, Daddy, can I throw up? Yes. <laughs> Classic scene. Fast Times at Ridgemont High in 1982 at a budget of $5.5 million, million, a worldwide haul of $50 million. Now, translate that to 2020 money, a budget of $13 million, and an overall haul of $136 million. That's a hell of an ROI for a small film the studios wish would almost go away. Now it's time to guess the scores. We got a critic right here, so this should be a, a layup for you, Bill. IMDb. IMDb, you know, is a 1 through 10, including decimal points. What did IMDb have for Fast Times at Ridgemont High? I did not look this up, and I'm going to guess 7.6. Kevin Israel? 
I'm going to say an eight flat. Seven two. Bill McCuddy wins the round. Uh-huh. Rotten Tomato score. Critics, as you know, is a percentage score. What was a percentage score for Rotten Tomato critics? Well, this I do know because I looked at it today, so I have to sort of excuse myself. Uh, if you want me to say it. No, I do not. Kevin okay. Israel, you guess? <laughs> I'm going to go uh, 76. 78. Very close. Both Very showcases. Close. I'll, take I'll take it. So close, I'm thinking maybe Kevin did look at No, nope, I never look. No. I never look. Audience score. Bill, do you know the audience score? Did you see that one too? Uh, I just remember that it was slightly better. But, you know, for one that I'm gutting, it wasn't 90 or 100. It was it was also in the 70s, I think. Kevin Israel, you want to take a guess with all those clues you got? Oh, see, I was gonna, uh, yeah, I was going to say it was like an 81. 80 is the number. Good oh, on you. you. Both showcases again. Next up is quotes. This film is just chock full of quotes. That I give you. Okay, want to get one? Want to start off with some, and I'll finish up. Sure. Let me uh, let me pull up my quotes. You know what? I only uh, I only pull, I only pulled one quote. Oh no, I pulled two. I was gonna say um, one. The, the the first one is uh, all I need are some tasty waves, a cool buzz, and I'm fine. <laughs> um, and the I second one is too. a long I one. I got a couple of quotes. Uh, but th- this 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 little this little. Uh, uh, few sentences really stuck with me first never let on how much you love the girl oh hi debbie two you always call the shots kiss me you won't regret it now yes. three act like whenever wherever you are that's the place to be. isn't this great right four when you're ordering food you find out what she wants then order for the both of you it's classy move now the lady will have a linguine and white clam sauce and a coke with no ice, ice. and five now this is the most important rat when it comes down to making out whenever possible put on side one of led zeppelin four Love it. I talk about that a little bit later. All and then they cut magnificent advice. They cut to a song that isn't on four because they couldn't get the rights to it. I heard my quotes. I shall serve no fries before their time. If you worked in the restaurant business, use that one ad nauseum. (laughs) Aloha, Mister Hand Spicoli. When you came in here, you had a shirt on. Learn it, know it, live it. Whoa, I know that dude. <laughs> what are you people, on dope? Wait, there's no birthday party in here for me. Where did you get that jacket? I got it from the network. That's such an <laughs> understated, hilarious line. <laughs> and, of course, we have to end with one that it would be shun- will, will be shunned by people today. Whoa, those guys are fags. Yeah, that, I thought that exact thing when I watched it. <laughs> did you guys say that today? Say that again, Bill? Did you guys watch it recently? Because last think night that, at nine eight, last night at nine p.m. Yep. And the fag line was in there. It's on a DVD, so yes. Now, see, I wa- I watched it on demand today and saw what I know is the full noodle. We're going to talk about the nudity in this movie, I'm oh, sure. Yes, we are. Fact, we're going to talk about it slowly, but uh, <laughs> I'm, the they took the fag line out of the spectrum on demand version that I saw today. It's still well, on spectrum. the Amazon yeah. online version. Spectrum are a bunch of communists. <laughs> I guess we can cross them off our advertising campaign, Kevin. They're well, big hopes for them. That's my slogan for them. What is it? Spectrum. It rhymes with rectum. Um, the quote <laughs> I was, yeah. was, you're lewd, crude, obnoxious. And, uh, and Damon goes, I can live with that. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Oh, but that admits I like the movie. I better shut up. I didn't say you did. But now we're going to learn a little more in five fun 
facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts for you right now. It's time for five fun more facts. Five fun facts for you right now. Nick Cage was originally supposed to play the role of Brad, but the producers felt his improv work during his, during his audition was too weird. That's not shocking. He was Would you like – say that guy. Yeah, he, he was too young. He was I think, the under, only guy underage on the, uh, on the cast. Want to take a guess on who turned down the role to play Mr. Hand? Oh, again, I know this. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Fred Gwynn, Mr. Monster, or the judge from My Cousin Vinny. But he said no because he felt the film was too obscene and objected to teenage sex. Also auditioning for the film, Michelle Pfeiffer, Elizabeth Shue, meow, Carrie Fisher, Ralph Macchio, two-thirds of the Karate Kid trio right there, and Mr. Ferris Bueller himself, Matthew Broderick. (laughs) Which director turned this film down as he said the script was not in his wheelhouse? David Lynch. That I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did read that, and I thought, man, how weird could this movie... Actually, I wouldn't be gutting it if David Lynch had directed it. I <laughs> yes. have a feeling it would have been dark and cool instead of what it is, which is kind of on the nose. And, and it hopped up Dar- Dennis Hopper on heroin. <laughs> Fun fact number four. This almost got an X rating, but got dropped to an R when they cut the full frontal shot of... Vic Damone. What? Damone dropped trowel when he's in a bank. Mike, I'm sorry, but Vic, why did I put Vic? Jesus Christ. Song stylist Vic Damone. (laughs) I did that. I did that. Son of a bitch. Of Damone when he dropped pan, when he dropped trowel when he's about to bang Jennifer Jason Lee. uh, Not the full frontal you want out of an 80s movie. Mm. Number five, the look of disgust on Phoebe Kate's face is real. As when she crashed in on Judge Reinhold jerking off, he was jerking off with a dildo. <laughs> That's not how you do it. I mean, it's like playing the playing the accordion, but you know, <laughs> as my grandfather used to say. But enough of that happy horse shit. We have Bill McCuddy here to come on because he does not like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So, Bill McCuddy, the floor is yours too. Got the, the sacred, sacred cow. Okay, here's my opening statement. The thing everyone likes about this film is the thing that uh, most films don't enjoy, and that's the fact that everybody, everybody, including probably the prop mistress on this movie, went on to become huge, huge stars in other films. But when you take the script of this Amy Heckerling, first time uh, job for her directing, and also the first time script by Cameron Crowe, who I'm going to go on to praise in other things uh, if you give me uh, enough time. Uh, He did great stuff after this, including some high school movies that are much, much, much more original. Uh, If you only look at the script and the storyline, it falls someplace between Porky's and Animal House. It's way better than Porky's. It's not nearly as good as Animal House. It's got some very pedestrian characters. Judge Reinhold works in a fast food restaurant. The two girls work in a pizza place at at the Galleria Mall. There's nothing interesting about uh, a lot of the the scenes, and nothing moves forward to any kind of a conclusion. We're dropped into a, a time period with these characters, 
and were fascinated by them because Sean Penn went on to become Sean Penn. The only thing this movie does uh, that I agree with is it has very, very, very little of Nicolas Cage in it. Uh, like almost like blink and you'll miss him in this thing. As you mentioned, he wanted to play a bigger part and he lied to them be, because you can only work a certain amount of hours if you're 17. He told them he was 18. Uh, and so when they found out he wasn't, they had to take some of his screen time away from him or wouldn't let him be in it as much as he wanted to be. Um, I think the film is just way, way, way overrated. Uh, I look at a movie like Say Anything, which is another Cameron Combe uh, script that uh, you got Lloyd Dobler, who's like John Cusack is into kickboxing. You've got Lily Taylor, who sings 50 songs about Joe, uh, like just crazy, cooler, more original ideas in, in play here. This is a standard high school movie amped up to uh, everyone's idea of a seminal movie just because of the cast. And that's basically my problem with it. Interesting. Hmm. Very interesting. Okay. Any other points about the, 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 the plot itself or the jokes or? Well, they're just very standard. I mean, and some of the jokes are, the, the jokes work only because they're really uh, extremely R rated at the time, but now are kind of tame. I mean, this isn't anything we're not seeing on almost every other outlet that we're watching right now. So the idea that this is amazing, yeah, Phoebe Cates and Jennifer Jason Lee take their tops off for a long time, uh, and that's fascinating. Uh, still to this day, I, I have to agree with that. But uh, everybody except Robert uh, Romanus, is that how you say his name? Sure. Uh, when you, the, let this be a lesson to any actor. If you drive a gremlin in a movie, you are never going to be famous after that movie. <laughs> this, is, this is the guy that I thought was actually going to break out when I went to see it in the early 90s. I thought he would, this is the guy, the scalper guy who's trying to, uh, who's kind of a dick to Jennifer Jason Lee. And uh, that guy's career went absolutely nowhere. But as I mentioned, everybody else, including, I mean, Forrest Whitaker is in this thing. Uh, Anthony Before Edwards, his eyes got goofy. No, they were goofy here, too. I, I, I feel like they evolved into goofier. No, maybe, it's, but they were still notable here. Um, Nancy Wilson of Heart is in this thing, kind of the way Suzanne Summers pulls up in a car in American Graffiti, and Cameron Crowe goes on to marry her later. There's lots of cool romantic stories that come out of this thing. The Galleria Mall in Sherman Oaks is really famous, and that's where they shot it from, like, midnight until 6 in the morning. Uh, there's all this lore around this movie. But uh, the movie itself is kind of lightweight. Hmm. Did you initially like this when this came out? Uh, I thought it was raunchy cool when it came out. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was, uh, yeah. But again, Sean Penn isn't doing anything that Bill and Ted didn't do better in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And later, if you'll give me a chance, I'll tell you the 10 movies I like better about high school uh, than this film. Tell me them right now. Movies. Yeah, let's hear it. You want those? Sure. Um, I mentioned Say Anything. Uh, I also like Almost Famous, which Cameron Crowe also did. Excellent. About a kid who travels with, uh, yeah, with a rock, and rock band. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is the gold standard. There was sure. a movie a couple of years ago with Haley Steinfeld called The Edge of Seventeen, which mm -hmm. I thought was amazing. And I've also said Lady Bird was my number one movie uh, two years ago. Lady Bird and Booksmart. Booksmart was a movie that never got its due when it came out. Uh, it's awesome. It's better than Superbad, but Superbad's on my list. Bring It On for Dushku is, uh, is absolutely <laughs> on the list. And uh, the last two are kind of oldies but goodies. To Sir With Love, 
with Lulu and uh, Sidney Poitier uh, in the mid-60s. And the last picture show, which Peter Bogdanovich did uh, with uh, Jeff Bridges and uh, the gorgeous Sybil Shepherd. And while I'm mentioning that, before you guys uh, rip me a new one, uh, there's another great podcast starring Peter Bogdanovich done with uh, a buddy of mine, Ben Mankiewicz at, a- at AMC. And it's really, really good. It's called The Plot Thickens. And it's all about the rise and fall of Peter Bogdanovich. I highly recommend it. It's five or six episodes, a lot of stories about uh, great old Hollywood people that Bogdanovich knew. And he was kind of an asshole, and he admits it, the way Shatner was kind of a prick for his whole career and then got sort of nice at the end. Um, but it's, it's definitely worth listening to. You forgot, first of all, I, I, I will now have issue with some of these films. Lady Bird and Booksmart works faster for me than Ambien, and I turned both of them off maybe halfway through. <laughs> Awful. Was, was Awful. Booksmart the one with the two girls who yes. were trying to go to college? They were yes. Go to fancy it was so millennial. It had Hill's to be so. Sister. Yeah, it was so viciously unfunny. Oh, it was, my God. It, it was sit here much so. Long. Awful, and the, la- the it's if you hate the millennial thing, if you hate millennials, this is not for you. And the laughs were not there. And Lady Bird was a fucking snooze fest. Now, here's one film you did forget: American Pie. That film is a goddamn American classic, teenage romp that everybody loves. Blows, it's what Porky's should have been. Now, I'll agree with that. It's not on my top ten list, but uh, well, make room uh, for it, goddamn it! I it deserves to be there. So I like him, and so. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, I'll agree on uh, on a few of those. Say anything, Ferris Bueller. You're right. That that holds the uh, the trophy for me. But enough on that stuff. Let's, uh, Kevin. I'll go first for the notes. Mm. First things first. '80s music and arcade sounds always put a smile on my face, no matter where I am and what mood I currently am. In, no matter what I hear, either of those, I'm smiling, especially the combination. Next up, playing Pac-Man. I love it. And I love the sound of the arcade of all the conglomerations of sounds in one. It takes me back to those days that I just are so gone and unfortunately so. Unfortunately so. Watch Terminator 2. I saw it. It's on, it's on, it's on a loop every day and I get sucked right the fuck in because it's great. Who played shirtless in a mall arcade? It was always cold in there. Remember that? It was always freezing. They had the AC blast. Like a gonna, casino. Yeah, he could uh, cut. He could cut. He could cut glass of those nips of his if you did played shirtless in there. As I you like had said, I got the notes now. I like it. Okay, keep going. If you said before, you did say before, this is a famous mall. You're right because one of my all-time favorite classic films, 1986's Commando, took place uh, in this mall. Where oh, Stallone wow. swings from the rafters on the balloon. Oh. Is that the one movie Ray Don Chong made? Yes, it was. Oh, she was also in <laughs> another one. I just forgot which one it was. But yes, it was uh, Ray Dong Chong. Oh, this guy's an animal. <laughs> this is one big motherfucker. <laughs> 20 bucks for front row Van Halen tickets? My God, how old have we gotten? You get any closer than that, you're going to see groupies pouring scope mouthwash down their throats after sucking David Lee, off, David Lee Roth off as he belts out Panama. And weren't those kids like 11 yes. buying the tickets? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, they weren't allowed to be on the set for more than 10 minutes because, as I said, they were shooting in the middle of the night, and that violated labor laws. So those two kids had, like, one take, and we're done. (laughs) 
Nothing gets me harder than a walrus tusk than a girl in a pinstripe red dress and a bow tie serving pizza. <laughs> well, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> Sarcasm, Bill. It was a much simpler time when you can slap a sign on the someone's back that says, I'm a homo. Now you go to jail for counseling and for bullying. Uh, you want to know something? That wasn't in the version I saw. Really? I'll also take that out. The thing they took yeah. out. You know what? I don't think the homo sign was in the one I saw either. It, it was on faggot, yeah. where they're fags, but they didn't say. I think it was in the opening montage where he pulls in the school for the first for the first yeah. day, and they're yeah. talking to one guy, and he he turns around, he slaps a sign on his yeah, back. That wasn't in there. Sounds like I have a collector's item. <laughs> yeah, thirteen years oh, old. Okay. Yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee, thirteen years old. It's just sex. God damn, that scene must be played on an endless loop at Woody Allen, Roman Polanski, and Chris D'Elia's homes. <laughs> Woody Allen is in. Have you been riding the Chris D'Elia train so hard over the past 48 hours? I'm starting to think that maybe he fucked you. <laughs> no, I'm not a 16-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah, Great. but then I, yeah, yeah. I don't, don't get me in this because I think Woody's innocent and I also think that Chris D'Elia falls into that Aziz category. He's a bad uh, date. I haven't seen all of the, because uh, he's not released, obviously, all of the. Uh, yeah, it's text, just. It's but just, like. Whatever. I don't like his stand-up. That's why I'm just being vicious. I don't think he's talented. I just don't. I feel bad. Whoa, now I'm going to cut that out of the podcast. He's, <laughs> that's ridiculous talk. Great to see a young Forrest Whitaker giving 24-7 side-eye before memes made it popular. <laughs> Can he do side-eye? Well, he has a lazy eye. That's my point. Okay. Thank you. And thanks to this film, Kevin Israel learned how to give a less toothy blowjob. <laughs> That Listen, I've been sucking off carrots for years now. And they had to they had to reshoot it. Did you guys read that? Say that again? That scene where they where she tells her to get, how to give a blowjob was originally in a hot tub and they were both naked and that was one of the other reasons it was going to get an X rating so they reshot it with the carrot in the cafeteria. Oh. You know what? That makes sense because the, that whole time I watched that scene I was like this is ridiculous that this would happen in a cafeteria two girls would have never had this conversation and acted out a blowjob on a carrot first of all who got a full carrot in their lunch and second of all who would do that with and all those guys were watching that that scene was that now that i'm so glad you said that because that makes so much more sense my Bill, favorite, a, thing, there, my favorite a, thing about what you just said is calling out the irresponsible parent that didn't slice a carrot it's a choking hazard, haha. What uh what was the My daughter has no gag reflex. What was the film where they were blowing a ketchup that. bottle? What was the film that they were blowing a ketchup bottle in the cafeteria? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um that wasn't Animal House. It was um I can't I'm I'm blanking. That's why I'm yeah, asking I you. Know what you're talking about though. All right. So this this is not, this is not <laughs> Waka Waka Waka. You are a fucking liar if you did not write down some of Damone's rules for dating or talking to women, at least the ones that didn't involve you ordering for her. Every guy used that as a very basic principle to figuring out how to talk to women. If you didn't, you're a liar. The stereo guy banged Jennifer Jason Lawrence in a dugout. Reminds me of the time I met a girl in an AOL chat room back in 1999 and took her on her high school football field's 50-yard line, something I'm sure she also did with her baseball team, soccer team, and chemistry teacher. Ouch. I still laugh my ass off at Judge Reinhold scrubbing big hairy pussy off the mirror. 
Nothing more soul-sucking than working at a fast food, a chain restaurant, or a corporate America gig like that. But then walking away when somebody comes in and goes, hey, yeah. come on outside, there's something going on. Yeah. And like, he just leaves it and walks away. Wait, I have a real quick story to tell because it's so appropriate to this. I worked at a steak and ale. I was a busboy at a steak and ale years ago. I, was, I think I was 19. And they had a birthday party, and it was a 90th birthday party. And there was like 30 people. And when they left, they, made, they had made a mess. And they're cleaning up. And they, uh, the, one of the desserts was uh, chocolate mousse. And so they were cleaning up. And one of the kids goes to grab the chocolate mousse. And it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the birthday boy shit. And he went all over the floor. And then they went into the bathroom. And it looked like somebody took a shit cannon and just covered the whole bathroom with shit. And... The, and the, uh, the guy who was, I don't know, like the maintenance guy, I don't know what his job was there, but he just did everything that nobody else would do. Walked out, looked and went, nope, I quit and walked out. <laughs> I was going to hope so. I was hoping you had to clean that up and then you would have said, I quit. That would have been as funny, but that's great. Yeah. Here's a question. What came faster, Damone inside of JJL or Cool as Ice, the vanilla, film, vanilla ice film coming out of theaters? Which came faster? A pure... You like that? I figured an esoteric reference was due, Kevin Israel. So I said, "Cool as ice." No one's yeah, that said was. That. No one's made mention of that. In you dug deep years. for that. Thank you. A pure dick move, yes, pun intended, by Damone having a hair trigger on his dick and then coming in JJL faster than bull riders can stay in a bull. At least man up and stick around long enough for round two, dude. We've all had our moments like, just give me five to ten minutes and I can rebound, okay? Especially well, wasn't it nice to know that if, he, if that happened to you, the woman was going to say to her friend, you were, you were good for 25 or 30 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> the lies that they're telling, that was fucking funny. Good point. Anyway, Kev, five to ten minutes? When you were 17, it was about two and a half and you were ready to go again all right you're putting your you're, you're putting your uh, your current standards in place right now if someone's that. read someone's diary <laughs> what what's to say about phoebe kate's topless scene that my penis hasn't said already 7258 times did you read that blockbuster used to get those back on vhs and At that, that moment would be like blurry because people were pausing it and the the heads rub across that scene. The most jerk scene film in history, said Mr. Skin. I'm not calling him Judge Reinhold anymore. I'm calling him Rosewood from fucking Beverly Hills Cop. Rosewood tucks his jersey, his baseball jersey, into his jeans, which means one thing, that there were on that set there was never at one time a real baseball fan. No one tucks their jersey in their jeans. By the way, wasn't it great seeing Scantron test again? Oh, that brought back flood of memories. <laughs> I will say this. At watching this last night, Bill, after the fir- the, during the first act, I said, there's no fucking way you're going to be able to gut this puppy. But this thing loses steam fast. After Phoebe Cates made countless med freezer VCRs, this film goes downhill faster than Tom Hanks' character's T-cell count in Philadelphia. You can throw... This film in the bucket titled Second Half Slop, along with Stripes and Full Metal Jacket, because this film in the last two acts got very unfunny fast. 45 minutes out, 45 minutes in, that's it. Punch out, you go out on top, and it's a, a funny film. This film, didn't, it, it's, a, it's a sprint for this film, not a marathon, but unfortunately, it's an hour and a half long. I give this film 
a five out of 10 only because the first, you know, 45 minutes were great. And then it just goes bad fast and not fun. Is that considered on this program a half win for me? Not yet, not yet, not okay. yet. And by the okay. way, let's let's also let's also discuss. I missed one other thing here. Everyone says how rapey this film is. When you go back and watch it, it's not as bad. And here's why: Jennifer Jason Lawrence Lee, excuse me, Jennifer Jason Lee, is the goddamn. She's the aggressor. She goes after the stereo guy. She goes after the movie theater nerd, and she goes after Demone. Where's it? It's yes, it's creepy because she's thirteen. Well, character's 13. But she's the one going after all these dudes. It's not like they're pinning up her against the wall or, or drugging her or getting her shit-faced or wherever and forcing themselves. That was something that was a misnomer for years. People are like, oh, how rapey this is. But yeah, Roger, Ebert, Roger Ebert gave this thing a scathing review at the time and said almost the identical thing to what you're saying. I also want to clarify one thing because I feel even less clean having watched, watched this. Uh, you're... I thought she was supposed to be 15. Somebody calls her 13. I thought she was 15, too. I might I have, I might have wrote that down wrong. Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll, no, I'll she's stay 15. corrected. Okay. And, and, and either number, what Planned Parenthood is going to let her go have an abortion? It was the 80s, man. It was a crazy time. Any, anything goes. Kevin Israel, your thoughts. So I saw this movie the first time about 10 years ago, where I actually watched it all the way through. And I remember, I, I don't think I was fully paying attention. I just remember thinking like, oh, this was a movie that I had to see. And I'd never seen it. And then I, 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 I vaguely watched it and I walked away going, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't that impressed. I didn't think it was that funny. This is really my, the second time I've ever seen this movie. Um, and obviously it's a, you know, just, just one of those epic movies that everybody talks about. The movie, my, my problem, and I'm not going to pick it apart piece by piece like Kev did, but my, my problem with the movie is that it's about nothing there's no specific plot there's no specific character arcs there's no there's no movement in the move in the movie they start a bunch of stories that could have been interesting and then nothing ever ends up happening with them um there were a lot of great little scenes with no plot um and there were so, so many cool things that could have happened like when she walks in on judge reinhold jerking off i was i, I was like oh my god She's going to have sex with him now. And then I realized, oh, my God, I watch way too much porn because that's what would happen in porn. That's not what happens in an actual movie. She's not um, a babysitter. But that was a scene. Something happens. And then there was no payoff later on. There was no moment in high school where she was like, well, I know what he's got. Like, there, there should have been something that happened with that. And it wasn't. It was just this weird scene that just ended and was never, never brought back up. In um, fact, she should have ended up with Judd. That's that's what and that's what I thought that was that's leading. What I thought into. was going to happen at the dance or at the because there's no boyfriend in Chicago. Hundred percent about that guy. The whole All right, sorry, go ahead. The whole um the whole dynamic between Rat and Damone, and Damone being such a dickhead. I thought I was sure he was going to end up doing something to him, and then they were weren't going to be friends, and Damone was going to feel like an asshole. The fact that at the end they had that little exchange, and then they were friends again. It was like, so there was no consequence to that whole situation. There was no payoff to him being an asshole. It just, it went nowhere other than in the, in the little, those little postscripts where they tell you what happens to them. And I always feel like that's a weak writing technique. Um, no, to the, to the opposite of what you're saying, he actually cleans up his bullshit by, by taking her back as a girlfriend. He like sort of, okay, 
Damone goes, gets her pregnant. Now she's, he dumps her and, and he like takes up kind of like where he left off. Right. Like, right. Refuge. They get to be Eskimo buddies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then, and then the scene with the, uh, with, uh, with the Trans Am, they ruin the Trans Am. The, it, that whole thing happens with the, with the football game, but then there's nothing after that. There's nothing, there's no like, oh my God, like they find out that Spicoli did it. It was just this weird little plot device that went nowhere other than the football game. And there was no, it was just this, it was like a little, just, it felt almost like a little SNL skit that even that wouldn't have paid off. There was just no. That moment was clever. What they did with the car and made him think that the other team, the other school did it. That was one of the one clever things in the movie, I thought. That was, but I feel like there should have been something after that. There should have been, it should have come back around. Um, and then my, one of my biggest problems, I loved Spicoli in this. I thought Sean Penn was amazing in this. He and I actually think he did only saving Penn. grace of this film. He was by far the driver in this by a yes. light year. And I, I actually think he did Bill and Ted better than Bill and Ted did. Yep. Um, because you really felt that he was that person. Uh, but I thought there was that whole sort of relationship that was evolving with him and Mr. Hand. I thought that was going to be more. I thought when they, when he, first of all, the idea of a teacher just showing up at your house and being like, we're going to sit and talk. What parent would let a teacher in? To, that's, that was, it's never. Fucking, that was as weird as blowing a carrot in the cafeteria. Especially if your name is Mr. Hand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, and they kind of, they kind of inferenced at it, but they never got there that there was this like sort of mutual respect between them and they understood each other. But I right. thought there was going to be a little more, like it was going to turn out that Spicoli actually had been paying attention the whole time and he got everything that he was talking about or, or that Mr. Hand was going to like smoke a joint with it or something that was going to, that was going to culminate this relationship that they'd been building up the whole time. And it went nowhere. So for me, this whole movie, there were, there were some great scenes that just led to nothing. And it was great nostalgia for me because I, I was a kid in the 80s and I remembered a lot of that, like like the sound of an arcade. But yeah. the whole movie just added up to nothing other than these characters just kind of bumping against each other and then kind of working their way in, into this universe. And then you almost, they, the writer confirmed that by the end, having to have those postscripts of what happened to the characters afterwards. So here's how they got theirs. Uh, so it... It wasn't, it, it, it just, it wasn't what it was supposed to be for me. It definitely wasn't, I, I don't feel it was, I agree with you, Bill, that it wasn't one of the great teenage high school movies. Um, and for me, I'm actually going to give it a four because I will never watch this movie again. Real, even the first 45 minutes, you're not going to you know, nah. stick with that. I mean, look, it's great that they, I, I mean, it was, it was a great, mo- it was a great experience to go, uh, remember when they, in the 80s when they would show tits, just to show tits. There was no other reason behind it. It was just something they could do, and they would knew they they knew they would get people in the theater just to see boobs. Like that was refreshing. But honestly, I, I mean, no, I'm never I'm I'm never gonna watch that movie again. Well, if you think it's, it's nothing based on what you saw, I'm telling you, and I know I said this at the top, but it bears repeating. This thing would not be as beloved as it is if there were a bunch of nobodies in it. I'm telling you, it glides on giddy enthusiasm because everybody goes, oh, my God, there's Nicolas Cage, who was Coppola during this, for mm-hmm. like an eighth of a second. And there's Jennifer Jason Lee, who went on to do, the, you know, so many other great things. Uh, Dolores Claiborne wasn't one of them. But, I like, just a lot of famous, famous people now. I, agree. I mean, I agree with Kevin. I think this whole thing wrote on Sean Penn's back. 
he was the only redeeming, really redeeming part of this movie where every time he was on, every time he was on screen, I was like, all right, something funny or memorable is going to happen. But the same thing happened. That's the problem I had. But, but we're saying the same thing. If you said you wanted more of a relationship between he and Ray Walston and all of that. Yeah. You wanted more story. You wanted a better, more interesting. And the science teacher, they go to the class trip to the hospital to go look at the fucking morgue. Really? Why? What did, what did this have to bring in here? Oh, right. I I forgot about that scene. Yeah. Yeah. It was totally based on Cameron Crowe had a teacher like that that took them to uh, mortuaries and they looked at, dead bodies by the way that same guy the teacher from the 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 train ghost from yep. the movie ghost which i finally saw for the first time yesterday what a piece of shit that was so oh, you finally saw it i finally saw it. it's so bad it, five minutes in i'm like that guy killed patrick swayze it's so <laughs> obvious and it's such lazy riding and everyone's like oh it's so romantic no it's not the pottery wheel scene is that what we're gonna go on and didn't Whoopi goldberg win a role an academy award for this for what she was she was funny she was good but was she academy award good i don't no. know no. i thought i thought Whoopi and patrick swayze i thought the dynamic between them was fun it was fun but other than that the whole film as a whole was just shit i hated it but one of the very times that a comedic performance won an academy award because the oscars hates comedies oh the, don't, don't they ever they give it away yeah this film with, with back to fast times though it's the same thing it's just a bunch of stories that never happen and then the dance at the end okay and now what happens they just show up high eric stoltz and those guys they show up high and then they do the animal house quotes followed up after the fact of so-and-so graduate from here from here right. and then there it's yes this shit is funny it's it's hitting on all the tropes that we had as kids Coming early, trying to figure out girls, girls. Those are lying called cliches, friends. Kevin. What's that? Those tropes are called cliches. That's probably, <laughs> in this case, they sure are. But it, just, it, it started off so strong and just, it's like that bottle rocket that takes off for a half second. Like, yeah, and then, you're all. Oh, we're going to do a bottle rocket. That's yeah, a terrible film. I will not go down that one. <laughs> Did you like that one too, Bill? Is that you're laughing yeah. at? Yeah. yeah. I just, Wes Anderson and I are like oil and water, man. No, thank you. <laughs> No, thank you. Oh, Rushmore? I mean, Rushmore? Nope. Election. That's not even him, though, either, is it? No, that's uh, Alexander Payne. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Same kind of uh, vein, but yeah, didn't, didn't dig that. But no, uh, when you said Fast Times Ago, I don't know, and then Schultz was like, fuck him. And I said, <laughs> all right, let's watch. But after last night, about, again, my wife came in about 45 minutes, and she goes, what do you think? I go, he may have a chance. And about an hour and 10, I go to, go to the bathroom. She walks by the room. She goes, and I go, He's going to win this one. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a debate. So, But now let's get to the critics' five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. Critics, five-star reviews. Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a remarkable outlier in the teen movie genre, even if tone-deaf, even if tone-deaf critics such as Robert Ebert Pan the film upon its release in 1982. Nothing like giving another movie critic a sick burn. At least this guy stopped short of making fun of um, of Ebert's Mitch McConnell turkey jaw, right? <laughs> Fast Times will always be remembered for one thing, showing respect for the insight of its members of the core audience, something that was rare in the 1980s. Funny, I always thought it would be remembered for wearing a groove into the tape Paused 900,248 times when Phoebe Cates whips out the goods. That's what I thought. <laughs> the comedy captured the brutal realism of post-sexual revolution high school life and has been imitated often, rarely equaled, and surpassed only once. I want to know what that guy's once was. <laughs> Everything else. Right. 
Pretty dated now, but it's early, Pen. That says it all, huh? Early Pen. We're going to go with that now. Critics one-star reviews. Critics one-star reviews. Critics one-star reviews. What it doesn't have is a clear point of view, something that would make it more of interest than leaving through a high school yearbook. Well, that was your point. One of director Amy Heckling has provided to excuse me director Amy Heckling has failed to provide the raunch or poignancy that would interest young moviegoers, all who have seen American Graffiti and its 467 imitators. Ridgemont High, a nice place to visit, but who would want to transfer there? I say, listen, you're probably going to hate me too. American Graffiti put me as fast asleep as a 2001 Space Odyssey did. I thought American Graffiti was insanely boring. I see you're rolling your eyes. That's well, I like 2001: A Space Odyssey more than we American found Graffiti. one, Kevin. Oh, Jesus, one. more than more than American Graffiti. I we hate that. That's probably the worst film that we ever uh, that we've reviewed in this podcast. 2001. Yeah, it's such a it's such a barrel of nothing. It really. <laughs> how could they do this to Jennifer Jason Lee? How could they put her in such a fresh and che- how could they put such a fresh and cheerful person into a scuzz pit of a movie written by Roger Ebert? Scuzz pit. I dare say, I dare say he's a dweeboy to the max. And, and they didn't do this to Jennifer Jason Lawrence. She loved this role so much. She took a role in a mall pizzeria for Christ's sakes for one month leading up to this role. True that story. is true. And by the way, you keep morphing her into Jennifer Lawrence. I know that. I keep saying that. I got done JJL. That's why I did that. Damn it. Just to save space. Amazon one star. Sorry. Amazon five star reviews. Five star reviews. Amazon five star reviews. Yes, we actually got away with behavior like this in school. Pretty sad that I wasn't able to go see a movie about my teenage years when it came out without my parents along for the ride. Go figure. If I made a movie of the stuff I went through between 16 and 19 years old, it'd be X-rated, there'd be arrest, and I'd finally get the therapy I need, winky smiley face. If you've never seen it, Watch it. Watch it with The Breakfast Club and Summer School as a triple feature. Damn, I missed the 80s. Stuff sucked back then, but at least it made sense. Signed, Harvard Class 2018. <laughs> Listen, I just want to go on record as saying I can't compete as a critic with other critics who can use emojis. <laughs> I find You're it at a, a disadvantage. Bit- yeah, it's all right. right. We understand. If you use an eggplant emoji and a smiley face, we'd understand what your thought about what this film is. I find it a bit weird reviewing this movie as it's from my generation, and I like to think everyone knows this iconic film. Well, sadly, my 17-year-old son never heard of it, so I got it and rewatched it, and he really liked it, as did I. Glad we got to it, and I was able to expose him to some vintage Sean Penn and Phoebe Cates. Bam! Signed, Emerald Lagasse, I guess. <laughs> that must be a really weird movie to watch with your son. My dad actually had us had me watch Animal House with him. He goes, don't move. You'll like this part because I had to go pee. And it's the part where he's hopping on the ladder to go see the, the, the pillow fight. He goes, don't move. You'll like this. He's a much, much better boob scene than anything we saw in Fast Times. Easily. American, American Pie is the difficult one to watch on Father's Day with Dad. Speaking <laughs> of that film, I saw that film three times in the theater. My, like I guess I told my parents, this film is so fucking funny. And they go, oh, really cool. Then I get a phone call from them, I don't know, a day later. I go, well, guess what? We saw the film. We liked it. And we took your sister to it, who <laughs> at the time was 16 11. years old. 16, my sister at the time. 
But it was exactly. rated R, wasn't it? It sure was. So, I mean, that's on them. Yeah. Spicoli, oh, the first best is my personal best is Flashdance fourteen times. That's a good film. That actually, I watched it for the first time not long ago, maybe a year or two ago. It's good. I liked it. I just kept taking people to it. That was my thing. Like, you got to <laughs> see this. It's about stand-up, but it's also about this chick and blah, blah, blah. Whatever. That stand-up comic is so fucking bad in that film. You know what? I've never seen that movie, and I had no idea that it's about stand-up. It's not. Well, it's, it's about not, a steel not. worker in a small town. It's mostly about a dancing, a dancer, but there's a couple of stand-ups in it. Oh, Okay. It's good, actually. Give it a watch. Spicoli, the first slacker and stoner. No Bill and Ted or waiting guards without him. I say, um, did we forget about the original stoners? Fuck Cheech and Chong. I'm talking about the guys from Reefer Madness, everyone. <laughs> Reefer Madness, Jesus. So I was a baby when this film came out, but after watching it some years later, it seemed like 1982 was a good year for junk food and video games. I mean, I, I agree with that. <laughs> Amazon one-star reviews. Amazon one-star reviews. It's time for Amazon one-star reviews. Amazon one-star reviews. Just sex, sex, and more sex. High school was definitely not like this for me. It borders on amateur porn. Signed, Kevin Israel. <laughs> This film impressed me. This film impressed me as a film for pedophiles. There were a number of scenes that in- included gratuitous sex, bare breasts, etc. Of very young actors, both male and female. A lot of male breasts in this film. I didn't see any fat guys. It seemed like exploitation of actors new to the film industry. In addition, Jennifer Jason Lee experiences a teenage pregnancy and has an abortion. It wasn't a realistic script. Sean Penn plays himself. There are cameos from future stars like Nicolas Cage. There was no point in the movie where you could say it was about a personal growth, a tragedy, or even buddy love. I love them in, in uh, Nutty Professor. It made <laughs> Hollywood Nights look like a good movie. I like how this person thinks they know Sean Penn well enough to say that he played himself. And this person isn't, this isn't a real script. What do you mean? You never got set up going to an abortion clinic before? I mean, that's how the population in Florida keeps getting restocked, people. What the hell did I just watch? This has to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. My goodness. The level of immorality and stupidity in this movie is so high. Where to begin? There is absolutely nothing cool or funny about this garbage. How can people find high school kids fornicating, having abortions, skipping class cool? No wonder why our society is garbage. Signed, Harvey Weinstein. (laughs) Last one. Actually, yeah, this is the last one. Let me tell you about one scene. Damone takes her virginity. Of course, they don't use any protection. Then he takes her home. Easy, cheap date in more ways than one. This guy could have done anything he wanted to her, including killing her. Signed, Scott Peterson. The guy, this guy should be on a watch list. What the fuck? Nice. Those are the Amazon five-star reviews. Bill McCutty, I want to know, do you think you got the sacred cow? Uh, really, I get to say that? Well, we get, we're going to – This is the first time, actually. I'm I know. I'm, I'm throwing a curveball this way. I, I think I did an okay job, and I'm glad that uh, three people on Amazon agree with me. Kevin Israel, did Bill McCutty has got the sacred cow? Listen, I agreed with everything Bill said, and I was very unimpressed with this movie. I expected a lot more. Um, that all said, oh boy. I don't know that he fully killed the cow. I think he put a beating on it, 
mm-hmm. and there's definitely bleeding, and it's probably going to be walking funny for the rest of its life. But I think this cow will live to see another day. Mm. I think this cow was not aborted, unlike Jennifer Jason Lee's <laughs> fetus. So that's a no for Bill. Oh, that's a tough crowd tonight. Wow. But nonetheless, Bill, we appreciate it like hell having you on here today. Why don't you shout out yet again where we can find you and all the shows that you, uh, that you participate Please in. follow me on Twitter if you're still on that uh, antique device, uh, at Bill McCuddy. Uh, also, uh, Bill McCuddy or McCuddy Bill, both of them on Instagram. And uh, please watch on your All Arts PBS channel, uh, Talking Pictures with uh, Neil Rosen and Bill McCuddy and uh, some other nice folks. Uh, and we do a, a weekly podcast ourselves called uh, Sitting Around Talking Movies with uh, Neil. And I have another podcast coming for the Accutron Watch Company called The Accutron Show, which is launching in the fall. So listen for that. They still make Accutron watches? They're reintroducing them. <laughs> are they going to bring a, are they, are they try and compete head-to-head with a Casio calculator watch as well? They own that company as well. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Boom. It's all in the family. Apparently so. Thank you, Bill, for coming on. Kevin Israel, where can we find you? Uh, KevinIsrael.com. Some dates are slowly trickling back in for stand-up comedy, so maybe by 2022 we'll be back to uh, actually performing every weekend. But if you want to hear my comedy, you can always get my album The Struggle is Real on iTunes and everywhere else you download audio. But, of course, guttingthesacredcow.com for blogs every day. We're doing every Monday a list of the week, the list of 10, hashtag list of 10. Tuesday, movie quotes we uh, find near and dear to our hearts. Wednesday, movies we've seen. Thursday, movie news. Friday, movie sequels we love or movie sequels that we felt didn't need to be. Every day on guttingthesacredcow.com. And, of course, don't feel shy. Go out and get a shirt just like this one on Gutting the Sacred Cow's merch shop. A A shirt, a hat, a bag. A, a bottle, a tote bag, whatever your little heart desires. Treja Lee, Clarice, Treja Lee. But again, Bill McCuddy, thanks for coming on the Gutting the Sacred Cow. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next time, kids. Take care. Bye. <laughs>